This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Okay. Sorry, there was supposed to be a... We don't have that uh, video? I'm on it. I know what's going on. I'm here. I'm ready to roll. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone watching online. I am here. Sorry for the... I was sitting there waiting for someone to walk on stage, and I realized it was supposed to be me. Welcome everyone watching in Stevens Point. Gal, please stand with us this morning and let's recite the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Now I'm starting to think that you should have done this part and taken the offering. I'm going to be introduced here in just a second. (laughs) It's all making sense to me now. Let's at this time, though, let's take our offering, all right? And uh, because we're not doing the basket things, it's all text to give and online, and we've got the number right there. So you can go online, celebrationchurch.tv forward slash give, or you pull out your cell phone and you text CCWI and then the dollar amount, and you text that to the number 77977. And also, if you're watching online, you got the little buttons you can click on there and give. Also, let me encourage you to consider recurring giving if you haven't done that uh, as well. Excuse me, that really helps us out plan our accounting and things much better. So at this time, let's now hear from our senior pastor, Mark Gunger. Yes? Good morning, celebration, and greetings from Arizona, up here in the mountains of Arizona. It's absolutely gorgeous up here in the valley way down in there. I'd have Deanna say hi, but she's literally hiding in the car. She's terrified of heights, but that's all right. And I just want to say hi to you guys and address an issue all of us are aware of. If if you're not aware, you've been hiding in a basement somewhere, but uh, the governor recently, a few days ago, well, I guess as of midnight last night, uh, decided uh, it went into effect. He did it a few days ago, but 
that uh, everybody has to wear masks now uh, indoors in public spaces. Uh, there's exceptions uh, for health and other situations. Interestingly enough, those who perform on stage or speak or pastors, that kind of thing, don't have to wear masks. Uh, but everybody else is supposed to. So that's the current uh, situation. Now, just so you all know, it is not uh, our job to enforce laws or edicts of any kind. I mean, some of you very likely broke the law this morning when you were going too fast and breaking speeding laws. We don't enforce that. Some of you very likely have taken income that you did not report to the IRS. Uh, that's not our job. We don't enforce laws. Now, some will say, well, um, you know, it's the law and people who break the law are sinners. Uh, to which I can only say, uh, welcome to Celebration Church. This is a place for sinners. Now, the thing is, you don't know. If you see someone who's not wearing a mask, don't give them a hard time. You don't know their situation. We have one lady who comes to our church, stage four uh, uh, lung cancer. She has a hard time breathing under normal circumstances. A mask to her is absolutely intolerable. You don't know. It's none of your business to ask, quite frankly. Uh, if someone just is not wearing it because they don't want to wear it, that's between them and God and the governor. Uh, leave them alone. We are not going to enforce it. We don't get into those sorts of things. You say, well, them doing that makes me uh, afraid for my safety. Well, then clearly you should be like the majority of people in our church this morning who are watching this online at home. Uh, if you're concerned for your safety, you really shouldn't be out in public anyway. So anyway, that's the rule. And we will acknowledge the rule. And uh, people can do as they wish with it. Just so you know, it is not our job uh, to enforce such rules and edicts. Anyway, uh, this morning, uh, I'm obviously out of town here in Arizona with another family gathering. Um, my son, Phil, is going to be bringing the message this morning. And uh, so I ask you to open your hearts and receive from him this morning. Let's give a big, warm celebration and welcome. Not as warm as here. It's 107 degrees where I'm standing right now. A little cooler than town, which is like 115. But a little hot, to say the least. Anyway, give him a emotionally warm welcome to my son, Phil Gunger. Yes, hello. Fancy seeing you all here. <laughs> That's funny when you jump up and do something, and when you're in the middle of it, you realize, like, I did this out of order. Anyway, he welcomed me, and that was great. So yes, it is good to be here with you all this morning. Um, my name is Phil Gunger, one of the pastors here at uh, the church. Also, I run a marriage ministry with my father, where we put on these events called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. So I go out and I do that as well. Uh, so it's always nice, though, to be here speaking with y'all. And this morning, I wanted to talk about love. Figured it was a good season for us to think and talk about love. Um, you know, I was thinking about the scripture, John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus says this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, with all the craziness and back and forth that's been going on lately, I thought, man, this scripture really makes a lot of sense right now, <laughs> right? And what I thought was interesting about this is 
when Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This coming from the dude that walked on water. You know, I would think that if I started going out and here in Green Bay and I go start just running across the bay, I would think that people would think, holy cow, what's going on? <laughs> he, must, he must be a, a, a disciple of Jesus, but Jesus doesn't say that. And these men he was speaking to, these guys did amazing, amazing things. But he said, you know what's amazing though? They'll know you're my disciples because you can get along, because you love each other. I thought, man, that certainly does seem like the miracle today. <laughs> if we can all love one another. And, you know, speaking of, you know, you think miracles would, would make a difference. You know, people say, if we had more miracles, if, if God just moved in a bigger way and big things happened, then people would really come to Christ. Man, I don't think so. I, I remember when I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, and I was slinging shoes at J.C. Penney in Marshfield, Wisconsin. Yeah. I was a shoe guy. Yeah. And uh, I remember working once, and there was a lady. She was the lady who was, I think she was supposed to train me. I actually never got any job training for this job. I didn't. I showed up for an interview, and then he put me on the floor. Talk about people missing up communications. There was a miscommunication. I'm on the floor. I don't have a clue. I didn't know where to find the shoes. <laughs> I used to go in the back, frantically look for the shoe, and if I couldn't find them, I'm like, yeah, we're out of that size. <laughs> that was like my first few days on the job. So anyway, this... <laughs> This lady that I worked with, who was my trainer, um, I remember her telling me once, you know, she, we were talking about church, and she heard that I, I, you know, went to this church in the town, and uh, she said, oh, yeah, I've, I've been to your church before, and I don't really go to church. I was there one time. I said, oh, really? She, she said, yeah, I was, I was having a lot of medical issues and back problems, and like the doctors didn't know what to do with me anymore, and I went to see the chiropractor, and he's helping me, but then he didn't know what to do anymore. He's like, she said, I kept getting worse and worse till eventually I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. He said, and my chiropractor went to your church, and he said, you know, I don't know what else to do for you, but we're having this healing service coming up this weekend. Maybe you want to come out to that? So she's pretty desperate, so she said, yeah. So I mean, what else was I going to do? I might as well try that. I tried everything else. So she said she came out. She got prayed for. She was healed, and she can walk. What I said. I'm like, and it had dawned on me. She was just telling me how she doesn't go to church. I said, Did you ever go back to church? No, but maybe I should. <laughs> Could you imagine not being able to walk? Medical professionals telling you can't walk, you get healed, and you never go back to church. Now, I hope she's more the exception than the rule. <laughs> but maybe that's not the big thing that it's about, is miracles and power and fancy stuff. And that's what Jesus says here. Man, they're going to know you're my disciples if you can love one another. And so I was, as I was uh, thinking about this, I thought, you know what? I want to take a look again at the, the love chapter. You all know the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. If you've ever been to a wedding, a funeral, or any other church thing, you've probably heard this before. And it's a beautiful chapter. It is. It, it, it kind of stands on its own outside of this letter because it's so beautifully written, but it's a part of a letter. And there's other stuff that goes with it. And if you know anything about Corinthians, these people were some messed up folks. <laughs> Maybe you've heard my dad preach before about how he, when he's really getting depressed, and, oh man, I don't know. If, are, are, are the people in my church getting in? It seems like we're messing up. And then he reads Corinthians and he feels better about it. Because they're so messed up. <laughs> and, and so as I was reading through this, I thought, you know what? This beautiful love chapter, 
He's slapping these guys in the face. That's what this is. And so I started pushing in this. I started researching it. I enjoy history. And so I started studying about the Corinthians and Corinth. And so just a little brief history lesson. You know, Corinth is this tiny little isthmus between, you know, you get upper Greece and lower Greece. And it's this tiny little place of land. And so it's very important because the trade north and south has to go through there. And then you had these two bodies of water and all the trade, you know, from Asia to Rome and this all had to go through this little place. And so early 8th and 5th century BC, it was a big deal and it was very popular. But then they kind of rebelled against Rome and the Roman dude at the time uh, didn't enjoy it. So he basically burned them to the ground, leveled it. And it sat leveled, desolate, nothing for like a hundred something years. And then Julius Caesar, if you've read your Bible, you probably remember that name. He came along and he thought, you know what? This is an important piece of land. I think we should build something here. But then he put a Roman garrison there, I'm sure, so they didn't rebel this time. <laughs> but it all of a sudden became the place to be. Man, if you wanted to make money, if you wanted to make it, you went to Corinth. That's where it went. And so it brought all these successful people, all these people who wanted to make wealth, who wanted to do stuff, went there. And it did. It blew up. You know, by the time that Paul writes this letter in 1 Corinthians here, some hundred years after they kind of started getting going again, it was like the place to be. It was like the big city. It was like only four miles wide, and yet there was hundreds of thousands of people that lived in this place just living on top of each other. And with that wealth and with that uh, prosperity also came a lot of immorality. <laughs> and I want to read to you what... Uh, a little bit about this, you know, Professor William Barclay, he, he writes this, he says, she had a reputation, and the she is Corinth. She had a reputation for commercial prosperity, as we talked about, but she was also a byword for evil living. The very word Corinthianize, they made up a word called Corinthianize. And it meant to live like a Corinthian, and it had become a part of the Greek language, and it meant to live with drunken and immoral debauchery. You know, uh, the only thing I can think of was I, I was reading this is it's kind of like Las Vegas, right? You say Las Vegas and you can giggle right away, Sin City, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Unless, of course, it's itchy, then it comes back with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so he says, he says that it, it was the same way that it, it, it meant, you know, that it was pros prosperous. They created a word, Corinthianize, and it meant to live in debauchery. And this other late Greek writer, I don't know how to pronounce his name, I pronounce it as alien, I don't know if that's right. <sighs> Not that great at Greek. But he's, he, he tells us that if ever a Corinthian was shown upon the stage in a Greek play, he was shown as a drunk. The very name Corinth was synonymous with debauchery, and there was one source of evil in that city which was known all over the civilized world. These people were famous for this. And it was this, it was above this isthmus, so kind of north of this isthmus, there was towered this hill of the Acropolis, and on it stood the great temple of Aphrodite, it was the goddess of love. And to that temple there were attached 1,000 priestesses who were sacred prostitutes. This time I assume my dad would make some hoe joke, but I'm just going to move past that, leave that for him. <laughs> And in the evenings, they would all descend from the Acropolis and they plied their trade upon the streets of Corinth. So much so that it became a Greek proverb. 
is, it went like this, it said, it is not every man who can afford a journey to Corinth. In addition to these cruder sins, there flourished far more resendent vices which had come in with the traders and the sailors from the ends of the earth until Corinth became not only a synonym, it's a lot of Y's and N's in that, sorry, for wealth and luxury, but also for drunkenness and debauchery and filth. So it makes a little sense now when you kind of read through Corinthians and you see Paul's getting on these people and they're driving them crazy. This is what they came out of. I mean, these people were professional sinners. They were famous for it. They were known across the, the world. And what's crazy is the church in Corinth, it kind of it, it explodes. It sort of becomes a rock star church too. It's big because they had lots of talent there. Because all the smartest people, all the most talented people, everything went there. So in their church, it was pretty impressive. And I think it's good. You know, we strive for talent and excellence here. You know, we got these amazing singers up here. It's not just because that's who we had. It's because I went and looked for amazing singers. Right? If any of you have auditioned before, you've heard my little speech. Can I audition to sing up there? You sure can, just so you know you're probably not going to make it. You need to sing at least as good as those people or better. You know, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> Excellence is good. We're also blessed with, you know, uh, a world-class speaker. You know, it's always difficult to have to follow my father. He's kind of famous and <laughs> world-known and a great speaker. And I always think like, just don't mess it up, Phil. Just don't mess it up. <laughs> so here they are. They have all this, they're known for derbatry. They're also known for excellence. And their church is doing well. And if you read the, the, the previous chapters to this, you find out, man, they're doing miracles. They're doing amazing things. Even in the midst of their debauchery. And then Paul comes along. And he says this. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See, he's speaking to a group of people who really put a lot of emphasis on speaking well. If I can speak in the tongues of men, these people could speak lots of languages, speak in the tongues of angels. That's a spiritual gift. They had spiritual gifts. Yeah, that's what we should be going after, right? Those are good things. Yes, but he says. But if you do not have love, I'm just a resounding gong. I'm just empty noise. You know, I don't know if you've ever played in a band, but those cymbals are loud. There is a reason that we've been social distancing our drummers here at Celebration Church for the last 20-something years. <laughs> it's because you all wouldn't be able to hear anything else except... <laughs> so we stick him in there. Unless, of course, a global pandemic comes and literally shuts down the world. If you watched us online during that period where we couldn't meet together, you know, it was a free the drummer campaign. He was very excited about it. He was able to be out here and hit those things because you all weren't here to be driven crazy by them. But it's just, it can be just an empty sound. He's saying, you're nothing. So imagine that if you think of yourself as, I'm, I'm something, I'm someone, I speak well, I do this. Yeah, we don't have love, nothing. Ooh, that's a slap in their face. He says this. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. So you're a smart guy. You understand things. Man, you, people talk to you and there's wisdom in that. You, you, can, you have insights. You have spiritual gift to discern things. Yes, those are all good things. Absolutely. You can have faith to move a mountain. But guess what? If you do not have love, you're nothing. Nothing. 
But oh, look at this stuff I did. Yeah, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. It doesn't matter. You know, he also writes this. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Isn't giving a good thing? I mean, isn't that good? Yeah, absolutely. But if you don't have love, it's nothing. You know, as, as I'm reading this, I kind of, it was a bit of a, a slap in my face too. Some of this I was reading is, you know, maybe sometimes it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Everyone ever, any married guys out there? Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You ever do something and get yourself into trouble? time. And I did, I this one time, uh, my wife and I were, we out and we were doing a, one of these Laugh Your Way marriage events and my dad did one real nearby and it was near New York City and we thought, hey, we should get together and go see like a, a Broadway show or something afterwards. Like, yeah, okay. So we met up, we hit the hotel, we're getting ready. Of course, I'm a guy, so I don't have to do anything like, I just throw on like a sport coat and I'm good to go in some fancy place. You know, I don't even have to worry about doing my hair. I enjoy that. So, of course, now, you know, I'm looking at Uber. How long is it going to take us to get there? I'm thinking all those things. Then my wife, man, she's a beautiful woman, and she did herself up. She looked amazing. She comes out, and she goes, what do you think? I said, yeah, it looks good. She stayed quiet. We go, we walk, we get in the elevator, we go downstairs, start entering the lobby where my dad's waiting for us, and as soon as he sees us, he goes, Whoa! Man, you look great. And he wasn't speaking to me. <laughs> and my wife, whap, slaps me. And says, that's how you're supposed to respond. <laughs> and my dad has made fun of me for that every day since. <laughs> so you got to remember sometimes it's how you say that. You also got to remember, as, you know, as I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm reading this, you know, from a ministry standpoint, I got to remember like, yeah, I we strive for excellence, but I can't forget to, to love. You know, it's like my, my uh, uncle has a saying, uh, Bishop Ed, he always says this, you know, it's like when you go and speak, don't go up there thinking, here I am. He said, go up there thinking, there you are. And it's just kind of this difference in thinking when you start thinking about love and having love in there. Because listen, the gospel, the reason we're all here today is because of love. It's because God so loved you that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. That's the reason that we're here. So if you're here and you're really talented, you're amazing at what you do, that's great. Yes, let God use that. In fact, there's some of you talented people out here that the church could use. <laughs> Get involved, absolutely, but never make it just about the gifting. And what kind of blows, really blew my mind in here as I'm reading this, he's talking about some of these are spiritual gifts. And I thought, man, could you imagine having the gift, like praying for someone, raising them from the dead? You'd seem like you're a pretty good Christian, right? There, Paul comes along and says, without love, dude, you're not, that's nothing. What? And it kind of messes with my mind because I think, well, how can you how can he be, like, be a Christian and doing this and have these spiritual gifts? But then I, I remember, you know, when Jesus said, you know, there's going to be a time where some are going to come and face God and he's going to be like, I don't know who you are. But, but we did all these things in your name. Yeah, but I don't know who you are. 
And so it's important thing, wow, this love, this is a big deal. We need to get this thing right. And you know, you got to understand, these are all good things. Prophecies are good things. Speaking in the tongues, sacrifice, all good, good, good. But love is so valuable, so important, that apart from it, every other good thing is useless. And sometimes we make the mistake of letting go of what is best for something else that is good, but not the best. You know, it's like when you give your kids some really amazing, you know, you spend a bunch of money on some toy and get these little kids, they open it, they pull out the toy. What do they play with? I'm going to save myself 150 bucks and just got in a box. And sometimes we can do that. You know, because sometimes we, we can do that with our opinions. We get so in our opinions, and you could be right. You could be 100% right, and what you're opining about is wonderful. Guess what? If you lose love, nothing. So we got to make sure that we have love. And if we get this as a church, people are going to start to notice something different about us. You all get along? We do. But they think this and they think that and they're from here and that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they drive me crazy. But I love them. I disagree with 99.9% .9 of their Facebook posts. <laughs> I love them. That's tough. That's tough to do. But we got to make sure that we don't lose that. You know, you might be someone that's here today and you're in the church and you think, man, I have no gift that I think the church can use. I don't know, man, I can't speak, I can't sing. You don't want me around kids, I don't know what to do, I'm going to drop them. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't like talking to people, so I don't want to go and be a greeter, I'm just going to be like, hey, hey. Guess what? Doesn't matter. You don't have to have any of that stuff. You know what you can do? Love. Love people. Look for people around you and just start loving on them. You could do nothing. You could have no discernible talent, which I know everyone in here has some kind of talent, but if you were completely worthless, that's what you wanted to come in here in church? I didn't have that in my notes. I'll finish that statement. You all are completely worthless. You could be completely worthless, but guess what? If you love, if you really get this, you could be the most successful Christian on the planet. If you really get this, this love is a big thing. Because you see, this city, the way to really reach this city, the way to reach the cities that everyone's in and those watching on the internet, wherever you are, you want to make an impact on where you guys are. Start loving people. That's all you need. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say and I can't preach it. You don't need to. You just got to start loving on them. And they'll see that. And there may be some here or some watching online and maybe not even quite sure, I don't know, that they maybe call themselves a Christian. And you know, a lot of times people don't come to faith and they don't come to church because they think, I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. You know, it's kind of like thinking, I can't go to the gym yet because I'm so out of shape. And yet, how many of you have thought that? I know you. <laughs> yeah, I'd go into the gym, but I'm so out of shape. That's why the gym's there. A lot of people think, church, I'm so messed up. I'm so, I don't know. I've got all this here. I've got all this, but I don't know what to do. I got, guess what? 
You could live the most perfect life without love, nothing. All you have to do is accept the grace of God, accept his love, accept the fact that Jesus Christ loved you so much he died on the cross. You just have to be willing to say, okay, I'll accept it. That's all that it is. Don't put up these boundaries, you know, to think, well, I can't be a good Christian unless I do this. Or that. We get all focused on these outward things. Don't, don't worry about that. Just focus on the love stuff. And so this week, as you're moving forward and you go on, and I'm sure that you're all going to be put in situations where something's going to drive you crazy. People are going to drive you crazy. Heck, just jump on social media, and after about five minutes, you're going to want to rip your hair out. And that's fine. And I'm not saying, oh, should, should, should we not say our opinion? Should we not fight for things? No, we should. And I think the church should stand for things. I think the church should stand for things. Say what we're for, what we're against. I think that's just fine. But we just have to remember that we're doing this out of love and not just so I can be right. Right? Amen? All right. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for all of these people here, Lord, and they're watching online over there in point as we're kind of gathered together wherever we are. God, I pray you help us to remember your love. Help us to not lose grasp of the gospel message in our busyness and in everything else. Help us to remember that the only reason we can call ourselves yours is because of your love. And so Lord, help us to show that love to others and to love one another. And through that miracle, that people will be drawn to you. And so as everyone moves forward, I pray your grace be on every single person wherever they're at. Your peace be on every single person. And Lord, I pray you help us to love one another. Amen.